Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Folly Coffee Podcast. If you haven't done so already, I ask that real quick here, you just pause, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast, and if you've liked any of the previous episodes or this episode, please give us that five-star rating. It helps us greatly. Thank you, and enjoy this episode. Hey, this is Rob. This is episode 92 of the Folly Coffee Podcast. Let's get it brewing. I am here with Chef Gustavo Romero, owner and proprietor of Nixta, a torteria and I, I Mexican takeout yep. in Northeast Minneapolis. I, I wanted to call it a restaurant, but I think what you're doing is kind of unique. So I don't want to just like label it that because I think your story is really cool and what you're doing. And I was reading some articles and kind of checking out your story because this is the first time we've met. And I, my one big takeaway is you've been around, man. You, you were born in Hidalgo, Mexico. Yep. You went from Georgia to Tampa, back to Mexico, living in Atlanta, and then in Italy, right. San Francisco, Miami, MSP area, Oakland, and then back to Minneapolis. Yeah, I like traveling. So how tired are you? <laughs> you know, you, you get used to. You know, I... I um my my mentor, uh, he opened thirty restaurants around the world. Uh, in thirty years he was in the states, and he kind of engraved me that you know, like we he will open a restaurant and he would set it up. He would hire somebody to follow him, and then he would move to the next one. Uh, so it was just when I started working with him, that was the way that he worked. He was like, go 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 go, we get it ready, and then he was like, okay, we're done here. Uh, so for me. I never had two jobs in the same city until Minnesota. So I will work, I will set up, do whatever I, I need to do in the business. And then whenever I was done there, instead of looking for another job in the same place, I'd be like, let's go somewhere else. <laughs> uh, and then that's how I ended up moving so much. And so you were born in Hidalgo, Mexico. And I was reading an interesting point that you said that you were rarely allowed in the kitchen growing up. Yep. Can you explain what that was like? Because it's interesting now that you're so deeply embedded in food and have been for so long. Yeah. I mean, our, our culture is, is, is being changing a lot in, in the past few years, I, uh, I think for the better. Um, but if you live in a rural uh, part of Mexico, uh, like where my family was from, uh, you know, we we have ranch, uh, like little uh, little hacienda, and the the men will like take care of the field and the animals, and that's how my dad grew up. That's how my grandpa, you know, and and he kind of grew up with a with that mentality. So we grew up in a, in a in a bigger city than where he grew up, but he had the same mentality. So my mom was cooking, my sister was there. And then if my mom would make me wash dishes, he'd be like, no, no, he's not allowed in the kitchen. He sits with me here watching TV. And, you know, I mean, at, when you're young, you're like, yes. <laughs> uh, and uh, But I, I didn't realize how how important that was going to be in my life. You know, I, mo I moved to the States when I was 17. And by the time I moved, um, I, I left home a very, a very young age and I was – forced to learn how to cook. I was forced to learn how to wash my clothes. I was, you know, forced to do a lot of things. Um, and I, I guess it's just necessity kind of makes you do things, you yeah. know? What inspired that decision when you were 17 to move to the States? Uh, necessity, hmm. really. Uh, Mexico is, uh, at, that, at that point, um, 
I was living in a border town. Uh, I, I was a DJ, uh, and, and I used to move. Um, the, the owners of the club that I worked for, they had a uh, they had a club uh, where I was in, in the city that I'm from, and that they have a few clubs around um, around the country. So they was they would rotate the DJs. And they, I, they used to send me to a border town, and then people really liked me there, so they they would keep me there a lot. And in the, you know, before the two thousands, like like the end of the nineties, uh, it was it was rough there. You know, it was it was when the cartels were were really popping, and and, and it was it was a rough city to live in. Um, so it was kind of scary, you know. And, and I really didn't want to go back home. Uh, you know, after you leave smaller town and you go to a bigger city you go back home and you're like i it just feels weird uh so i i want something different i want to you know grow as a person and and my family needed some help so it was just easy at that time before 9 11 they used to allow you to cross the border uh if you live in in the border town uh if you like you you could work in the states and go back home or you could come and, and do some shopping and then go back home uh so one day i just crossed and then Never come back. <laughs> <laughs> and, and what was the first uh, job you found yourself doing when you moved? Uh, you know, I, I found working a lot of things. So at that time, uh, it was uh, it was knowing you would go and stand in the corner, right? And like all my friends, all the people that I, I moved to Arizona, because uh, that was the first the first state that I that I that I came in. Uh, they would just go and stand in the corner. And then people would just stop by in the truck, and they would be, I need two people, and then the fastest would jump into the car, uh, and then they would take you to do whatever. So I did a lot of things, uh, from construction, uh, gardening. Uh, I think one of my favorite jobs, we used to build those uh, jungle gyms for, for parks. That was kind of cool. <laughs> uh, but I did a lot of things um, until I started falling into restaurants. Uh, my first job in a restaurant was... Uh, a boss boy, um, and you know they, it was it was crazy because I always wanted to be fast. You know, I always wanted to like be like, well, you know, I'm doing this right now, but I know that guy is making more money, so I want his job. So I was always trying to like do better. But I, as as I was trying to do better, you know, I would walk through the kitchen and I would see those guys like having fun and like, you know, like the 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 excitement of the rush. Um, and for me, uh, as a, I, I love soccer, I love uh, sports. Uh, I found that very uh, similar. You know, it was, it was a lot of things that, that, were, that seemed familiar. Um, so I always wanted to be in the kitchen. Uh, I didn't have a chance until I moved to Georgia. Now, now I'm, I'm curious. You say because I, I kind I think I know what you're saying that like be, between sports and being in a kitchen, it, it, there is a similar thing going on there. What was it about it that you found similar? Because that's kind of an odd statement that you'd be like sports in a kitchen have a lot of similarities. I, I think it's just the team building, man. I think the you know when when you play sports, um, you you all have a common uh, goal, right? You want to win, and and I think in kitchens are it's kind of the same. Like you you all go to work together. And, you know, you're going to see some people struggle and then you go help them. Uh, cause in the end, one fails, they all fail. And, and, and I think that when you work in the kitchen with that mentality uh, and you can engrave it to the people that work with you, uh, you, you create a, a better team and, and, and a better product. Yeah, right. Like if, 
it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, you can have a star player on a team and you can have a star chef, especially nowadays, like the right. celebrity chef, the, everybody wants to know who the celebrity chef is now. But the reality of it is you can't have a great place if every single person isn't excelling in what they're doing. And, you know, one weak component in the kitchen, same part as a team, is that the, everybody, even the top player is going to end up failing because not everybody's on the same page or working towards the same goal. Yeah, and, and you use as good as, as as your team is, you know, and, and, and building a team uh, and get them to understand what you're trying to do is one of the most important parts. And when you think about the, the, the way the soccer, uh, and, I, you know, I relate to soccer because I, I used to play a lot, uh, is like the, the coach will give you an idea and, and not everybody got the same idea, right? And not, not in, the first, uh, in the first couple of plays. And then he works, and then he keeps working and working and screaming at you and sometimes kick you or whatever <laughs> until you figure it out and, and, and until everybody works together. And I think kitchens works exactly the same. And so you see the kitchen, you see, you see the excitement, you see that being something you want to do. How do you work towards getting in the kitchen side of things? Um, I, you know, I, I actually, I just kind of f- fall into it. Uh I when I moved to Georgia, um, I moved with one of my uncles, uh, and then he was actually the one that got the job. He was a uh, he got a job at dishwasher, and then he didn't like it, so he he went to work for for like two days, and then he's like, Nah, I don't like to do that, and and I didn't have a job at the time, so I was like, oh, I go, and you know I didn't see anything wrong with it. It's like it was a job, um, and I used to. Uh, I used to like let the the dishes piled up, and I would go to the cooks, and I would be like, "I'm gonna finish those dishes in like two hours." Be like, "No, you're crazy!" Like five bucks, and then I would just go there and bust ass and and, and trying to like finish the uh, the dishes. And I don't know. I always like to work fast uh, and you know try to take advantage of the situation. Yes, yeah. being somebody uh, that likes to work hard and work fast, you're gonna find yourself being high, highly valued on whatever team you're on with whatever you're doing. Yeah, I think I think so. Um, and then you know, for there, it was a hotel, so you know, you were like very close to the kitchen, and I always wanted to finish my work, and I would go help. And, and you know, there was some people there they they, they saw um, that I wanted to do something else, and and they pushed me through. Uh, and then I became, uh, you know, I. From this washer, I went to prep cook, and then line cook, and then banquet cook, uh, and then that was the, my first uh, sous chef job when I was twenty-one. And what was that transition like, going from uh, washing dishes to starting to prepare the food, and then finding yourself all the way to that position in the same place? I, I mean, it just—it was learning. Uh, I think I'm a little bit of a junkie for for learning, and and uh, you know, every time that I move to a different position. I was doing something different, and and those changes it was they were very exciting for me, uh, you know. Like it, it was like I, I got to the point where I was like, okay, I, I know if I do this really well, I can ask for something else, and asking for something else, so also, you know, it will give me more money. So for me, it was like, okay, I'm gonna do this as best I can, as fast as I can, and then I'm gonna go to the chef and I'm gonna be like, okay, now I wanna do this, and then I need twenty five cents more. <laughs> yeah, and then what kind of food were you cooking while you were there? It was just uh, classic American cuisine, South. Uh, so I got really good at cooking, you know, like mac and cheese and collard greens and, you know, all that, all that fried chicken, all that good stuff. And what was your next step after that? Because it's crazy looking at these list of places you've been, hearing that you crossed over the border, stayed, 
work from a, a dishwasher up to your position in there. And then just looking here, I'm like, there's so many different places you ended up at, including studying at Lake Cordon Bleu and being in Italy. So how did you get to the point of working your way up from there to where you are now? I guess just with the same mentality. You know, I, I uh, when I moved to to Florida, I, you know, I was, I was a sous chef uh, at, the, at the hotel that I was working and it was an opportunity to, they opened a new hotel and they offered me the job. Um, and then I had a friend that, that I worked with in another restaurant. And he, he was like, if you go there, you're not gonna learn anything anymore. Like you, you Ed, like you, you're the chef there, right? So everything you know, that's the only thing that you're gonna be able to do. And that was kind of scary. I was because I, I know I didn't know anything. Uh, and then he, he moved to Florida and he was like, just come with me. And we went to work in a really nice resort. Um, and then it was, it was. I have to drive like an hour uh, across Tampa. I live in St. Petersburg and the, the resort was outside Tampa. So driving an hour each way, it was just like exhausting. Um, I never been a fan of driving anyways. And uh, I started looking for a job in St. Petersburg and then I found this really cool Italian restaurant. And that's where I met my mentor. Um, and then, you know, he, he change everything that I knew about work ethic, about um, just mentality of food and, and the way that you treat ingredients and the way that, you, that I sell food and just in general. So now you're in Italian food at this point. Right. So you're going from uh, Atlanta where you're doing kind of like the traditional Southern American food to Florida and now you're cooking Italian. So what, what was your role at the Italian restaurant that you were working at? Uh, I started as a line cook and uh, uh, it was only two people that were able to work the the pasta station. Uh, it was a, it was a girl that worked there since they opened, and she was just extremely good. But she was so angry, uh, <laughs> and you know you have to be as a woman at that time. Um, you have to have that mentality, or or you know you just won't be able to work in the kitchen. Uh, and and she was she was really really good, and nobody can go work with her. Uh, so I was being very easy going. So I was the only person that was able to kind of work with her. Uh, and then the days that she was not there, I worked the station by myself. Uh, and at that time, uh, the sous chef, uh, he was from San Francisco. He went back, uh, he went back home and, and my mentor offered me the job. Uh, I think I was, uh, I was a line cook there for like six months before he, he offered me the, uh, the sous, the sous chef position there. Uh, and then, you know, he just kind of showed me the way. You know, we, uh, the first time, it was the, the only time that I tried to call him sick. Uh, you know, I call him and I say, uh, you know, I don't feel good. I'm not going to come to work. And he was like, well, I see you here in five minutes. And then I decide if you go home or not. Um, and I was hangover. So, you know, <laughs> it, you, you, know you kind of know the people that you work with. And then, you know, you see him the day before and you see him finding, you see him like go out and then you call the next day and he's like, no, that's not happening. <laughs> uh, and, you know, he he actually went and picked me up. And when we were on our way uh, to, to work, you know, he just talked to me. He was like, you know, if you really like this, if you really want to do this, you can do that. Like, it, it's, it's just, it looks bad on you. Like, now you... Uh, you're an important part of this uh, of this team, and you just can't do that. Because if you do that, if I allowed you to do it, then everybody would do it. And then, 
you know, we lose what we have. Um, so he, he had a, a really big impact in, in my life just in general. Um, and he, he, uh, he also told me that if I wanted to make money, um, I need to go to culinary school. And at that time, the sous chef, the, the left, he never went to culinary school. And then he was, he was really good. And he would talk shit about, um, the, the people that went to culinary school. So he, I was kind of like mixed, right? So I, I didn't know uh, if I wanted to go. He was like, well, if you go to culinary school, when you finish culinary school, I send you to Italy. Uh, and then I went back home um, to fix my papers. Uh, and when I came back, I came back to Georgia and that was the, uh, you know, I wanted to do something uh, that was kind of official. Like I tried a lot of things. I went to school for programming and, you know, I went for a couple of weeks and I was like, eh, it's not for me. Um, I tried uh, some mechanic work, like working cars. And then, you know, it just, I didn't, didn't feel like it. Uh, and I really like cooking. I was getting really good at it. I was fast. Uh, and, you know, talking to him, he was like, just go to school. Just go to school, get you uh, a certification and then look for a good job. And then you're gonna see the difference. So I ended up uh, going to the Le Cordon Bleu, uh, and then it was a great experience. Uh, you know, it's a lot of people they they don't like the culinary school because they didn't they feel like they didn't get enough uh, for what they pay. And and I think it's one of those things that nobody leaving high school should go to culinary school. I think that's the difference. You know, when I went to culinary school, I, I worked in the kitchens for seven years before I went there. So I, I had a knowledge of, the, of a lot of the things that were happening. But I also saw the difference uh, with some of the kids that were there because they have no idea what's going on. So I, I got what I wanted to get out of the culinary school. So, like, ironically, if you go straight out of high school with little to no experience, it's not that you're not <clears throat> getting enough. It's that so overwhelming that you're like, I'm not learning because right. you're talking about things that I don't even know what you're saying, or I've right. never been in a kitchen or done these things to be able to even appreciate that this is a much better way. Or So what were the types of things you were learning? Was there a specific program you went for at Lake Cordon Bleu? Well, so they had a, a two-year program uh, where you just, it's kind of like a basic uh, culinary understanding. Uh, and then you do some baking and everything. Uh, but you see everything everything that you do you see it once right so it, it's very hard for you to like make things once and then be like oh I'm a chef now I know how to do everything and that's a mistake that people make and and I think that was the way that they were selling it too because when you when you walk into the school you know they have this TV with these like celebrity chefs you're like oh I went to school in Le Cordon Bleu and now I'm a chef and then a lot of people have the understanding of like oh I'm just gonna go through school and then, you know, after that, I'm going to be a celebrity chef, uh, which is a really, really big mistake, especially if you don't have experience. Because if you, at that time, you will make less money if you were a graduate from culinary school than if you were just somebody with a little bit of experience. So it's really more like the, the building blocks or being able to take the next step in your career or being able to take the next step as a chef versus, and it's, it's, it's an interesting thought because I think having not gone to culinary school, obviously that 
I would picture it almost like college where you're like, all right, I have my degree. Now I'm fully certified to do this and hire me to do this thing. And I imagine, especially if you're straight out of high school, you probably have that same mentality. You're like, this is my version of college. So after my two years, I'm ready to go. I want to be head chef now versus you having been in kitchens. And I've heard that before being in a kitchen is that people are like, oh, you don't need culinary school. It's all about this. And there does seem to be that faction. And it's my guess would probably be because that person has probably encountered a lot of those people that went straight to culinary school that come yeah. out saying, I know exactly what I'm doing. I've been to school. I'm certified. Don't tell me I don't know what I'm doing, despite never having spent time, serious time in a kitchen. And I am curious what that process was like at the time to uh, go back to Mexico and have to get your papers in order. Was that a difficult process at the time to be able to get everything, to be able to come back with everything official? I mean, uh, you know, it's, it's just a process. Uh, my lawyer wasn't very well informed. Uh, so when, you know, they send you the letters and they say you have to go to, you have to go to Mexico and get the process there, right? Um, where when your lawyer should know, they, when they tell you that, you say, no, I'm going to do the process from here. And then you don't leave the country. So at that time... It's like you asking for forgiveness for overstaying or like becoming illegal, um, and when you when you go there, if you don't have a case strong enough, they just like nope, no, you you don't get it. Yeah, you're still yeah, there. Yeah, it's yeah, easier yeah. for us not to accept this. Right. First. Oh, that's right. really interesting. I've never even had to contemplate that. For, yeah, and. So, when you become official, and, that, and that's when you go to Lake Cordon Bleu, presumably your mentor follows up on his promise and sends you to Italy. Right. Yeah. So, you know, I, I was in school for uh, about a year and a half, and they start asking you, uh, all right, where are you going to do your internship? Uh, and then I had, when I was in school, I worked in some of the best restaurants in, in Atlanta, and uh, and they all, they all wanted me to stay. You know, they were like, oh, you can do your practice here. At that time... Um, they don't pay you for practice, right? So, like, they, you could be in one of the best restaurants and they don't have to pay you because you're doing your uh, your internship. Or they would pay you minimum wage, which at that time was, like, six-something in Georgia. Um, so, you know, I had a few offers there uh, to, to, to stay there, but I kind of have something in mind. And uh, the, the day, the first day that I, that I call them and I say, hey, uh, they asking me what I'm going to do my internship. You told me you were going to send me to Italy. I said, wait. And he literally was like, okay, let me uh, let me make some calls, and then I call you back. He called me like two hours later, and he's like, I need dates, uh, and then you go to Italy. Where did you end up in Italy? Because that, that's it's crazy to think that you went from – crossing the border, deciding I'm going to stay, find yourself in like eight different cities, go back, go through the difficult process of getting your papers processed, chef school, and now you're in Italy to go on an internship. Where, where did you end up and what was that experience like? Uh, it was a start, a very, very rocky, rocky start. So uh, the the family, because it was it's, it's a, it's a family, the Latini family in, uh, in Florence, uh, they're, they're good friends of a friend of, of my mentor. So they they were like, yeah, we take him. Uh, they were not supposed to pay me. Uh, they were uh, going to just give me a place to stay and food, and I was going to work, uh, which that was what happened when you go to, to uh, an internship somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, when so I flew to, 
to Florence, and then somehow they're like, oh, we can't land in Florence because the winds are too bad, so we're going to go to Bologna. And I'm like, okay, well, how far is Bologna? Uh, you know, the result, it was like two hours away. Uh, but then, you know, we land, and then I get out of the, the plane, and then I find myself in a different country, and I don't know anybody, but I don't speak the language. Um, and I'll just start following people. I was like, okay, so this is the line of people that were coming with me, and they all go into that city that I was supposed to go, so hoping they didn't go anywhere else. Uh, they had a bus uh, outside of the um, of the airport. Uh, and then I just got into there, and I say, Florence? They say yes, and then I jump in there. And then I had a picture of the of one of the ladies, the, the of the family, and then I literally get out of the uh, the bus, and then I was staying there uh, with my phone, almost dying, like waiting for um, this lady to show up and pick me up. So I finally saw her, and uh, she picked me up. She took me to to the to the they call it an albergo. Uh, which is like a like a hotel, and they have a restaurant. Uh, and then I stay there for. I kind of overstay. I was supposed to be there for three months, um, but uh, the the chef. So it, I didn't know the in Europe people go on vacations for like a month and a half, <laughs> uh, which is pretty cool. Uh, so when I got there, uh, the the chef was actually going on vacation, uh, and then they uh, they asked me. Well, after seeing me working for a little bit, they were like, look, we can bring somebody else. Or if you want to do it, you can do it, and then we just pay you. <laughs> so I was like, let's do it. You know? let's, uh, let's get paid. So I ended up staying a little, a little under six months. What, so uh, having been there for six months, what ended up being the decision to move back? Well, I, I kind of had to. Uh, if I wouldn't come back, uh, when you're a resident, mm-hmm. uh, you cannot be outside the country for more than six months. Mm. So it was kind of like, yeah, it, I needed to decide if I wanted to lose everything that I went through with the right. process or I just went back. And, and you know, at that time, I would kind of stay in the same process in Italy and, you know, going through once. I'm like, I don't really want to do that again. So I ended up, I ended up coming back. Uh, another big decision for that is that my mentor was moving to San Francisco and then he was like, we have a restaurant to open. I'm like, okay. <laughs> you're like San Francisco. You, had you been to San Francisco? Were you familiar with no, it? No, not at all. So you're just like, once again, you go, this is where you're going. This is where I'm going to go. Yeah. And for me, it, you know, going to a different city, it's always been super exciting. Uh, I, I love walking, uh, you know, kind of, get to know the city and just kind of get lost. Uh, I love the, the first thing I remember when he picked me up from the airport, um, the, the restaurant and the place we were working, it was right in the financial district. So he put me in a hotel, uh, really close, like six blocks from, from where we were staying. Uh, and the first view of San Francisco sky, uh, you know, like the skyline, the, the skyline, like it just keep getting closer and closer as he was driving, uh, and it, it was just so exciting. Like how, I don't understand how people don't like to go to places for first time. You know, it's just <laughs> it, it's amazing. What eventually brings you to Minneapolis? Uh, well, when, while I was going, uh, while I was staying in in San Francisco, uh, I met my now my wife, 
she she worked with us uh, in in the restaurant. And when my mentor left, because uh, he left when we were open for about it was six eight months, uh, you know. We, we always work a lot. Like, I always kind of been a workaholic. And at that time, I was like, I'm in one of the biggest cities in the country. You know, food here is, you know, has to be next level. So I, I kind of put it on my head that that's what I wanted to do. And and she was a line cook at the time. But she was the only one that stick with me. You know, she was the only one that I would ask her to do something. And, and she would do it right. She would do it fast. And, and she was always right next to me. So... It was a very easy transition for for me when he, when my mentor left to be like, all right, well, I kind of already have my, my my right hand, right, or like my brain or whatever. It's just a lot of things. Um, I've never been really uh, or very or very organized, and then she kind of like keep me on you know on track. Like I'm I'm more of the dreamer, and mm-hmm. she's like, nah, just <laughs> right here. <laughs> so you know, we we worked together for. Uh, like two and a half years, almost three years there. Uh, and then, you know, by the time the, I was a chef and, and she was a sous chef, uh, we had a, a restaurant in the financial district. And then the owner of the, of the restaurant owned a couple buildings in the, in the financial district. So we have two huge banquet venues. Uh, one that we used to do weddings all the time. And, between me and her and, and the team, of course, but we used to manage everything. We used to do everything. So, like, we would work, like, I would work in the morning in the restaurant and I would go do banquets at night, or like, she would do the same. And we were just there, you know, 80, 90, 90 hours a week. Um, so it was, it was very easy, just kind of, we kind of lived together in the restaurant. I was going to say, this is what I picture when I picture romance. 80, 90-hour work weeks. Yeah, yeah. Nobody not, not not <laughs> romantic, but, uh, you know, it kind of worked that way. Uh, and, you know, after that, I started to get sick, uh, you know, stress, poor eating, drinking. Um, you know, it kind of got to me, and I started to get, like, problem with ulcers in my stomach. And uh, so after that... Uh, I was like, you know, kind of need something else, something different. Uh, and then the the company at that time they were restructuring everything. Uh, and then I, I guess at that time, like I didn't like what they were offering me. Uh, which, you know, as as you grow, um, I probably now understand that was the probably the best move that they could have done. Because uh, what they were trying to do is they were trying to just give me one position instead of have me like all spread out between, you know, the whole company. And for me, it kind of felt like they were taking something from me. Yeah. I was like, no, I don't like that. Um, so I ended up, uh, again, you know, looking for a job and I find a job in Miami. And I was like, all right, guys, I'm out. And so you go to Miami first and then Minnesota's next? Uh, no. So... <laughs> <laughs> I've got them written down and I can't keep it straight. <laughs> uh, another another reason that I moved to Miami is uh, it got to the point where, well, I was in San Francisco and I was running an Italian restaurant. Um, I always find myself trying to use something Mexican, right? And it gets to the point where you start kind of breaking the, the concept that we were working on. 
and you know, I, I learn a lot from my mentor, and then I spend a lot of time in Italy, which it gives me a lot of knowledge of Italian food. Uh, but it gets to the point where, like, you kind of run out of ideas, right? And then every time that I will come up with something different, like, it always has something to do with Mexican food. Uh, so I kind of, when I started looking for a different job, I wanted something that was going to bring me close to to Latin food or, or Mexican food. And the place in Miami, was it was kind of it was kind of that. So that was the other reason why I moved to Miami. Um I was there for about a year. Uh, and, you know, Miami is just, for a for a 26-year-old, uh, it's a little much. And you're 26 at this time because based on the story, it's like in this, I, the, the amount of things you did in that period of time is insane. And because you said you moved uh, over the border uh, to the States in, when you were like 17? 17. And so this is a nine-year period. But, I mean, you're talking about this is a lifetime of work that you're doing here. It's absolutely crazy. What was that like moving to Miami and starting to cook food closer to that Latin culture? It, it, felt, it felt better, though. Like, it was, it was more natural. Uh, it just that place was extremely busy. Uh, we used to do – it was two restaurants. So we have – um, we have a corner, and then it was a really busy restaurant, and we have an, another kind of small, more uh, obscalish uh, food. Uh, we used to do a thousand covers for brunch. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's, it got to the point where, like, you literally just throw food on the plate. Uh, and that was one of the things that I was like, eh, I don't know if I want to do this. But the, the food that I was cooking, it was it was easier for me to execute. It was It was... It would come up faster and easier in my brain. Um, uh, one of the things that, that helped me move. So after after Miami, uh, I actually moved to Chicago. Um, my mentor at the time he was diagnosed with cancer, and then he needed to go through treatment. He had, he needed to have a surgery, and he had a little restaurant in, uh, in the Ukrainian village in Chicago, and he was going to close it. And at the time, I was like, I, I don't know if I can stay in Miami. You know, like. I don't know if I would have made it more than a year. <laughs> I was going to say, Miami is not usually the first place when people are like, health concerns, I'm going to move to Miami. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, for me growing up, like, I love clubs. I love music. Yeah. I love uh, – and then you, you can have that every day if you want to. Uh, so it was, it, was, uh, it was a little much. Uh, and then I really wanted to help him. Uh, I don't want him to close the restaurant because it was uh, his restaurant. It was not something that he was operating for somebody else. Um so I moved to to Chicago and and, and help him uh, kind of keep the the doors open when he was you know going through through the the surgery thing. Um, and then you know I I was staying with Kate, uh, who's my wife. Uh, and then she was like, "Well, you know, you're kind of close." Um, I came to to Minnesota to cook for her sister's wedding, and. Um, you know, I, I came here in, like, July, I think. Uh, so it was, like, super nice. That's Everything where they was get green. You. It was sunny. <laughs> and it was like, oh, my God, there's so many legs. And uh, it was beautiful. I remember, like, I was here for a weekend. Uh, but it was beautiful. It was just, like, you know, everything is green, perfect weather. It's just gorgeous. Uh, and then the place that we did the wedding, it was a restaurant in Northeast. And then I talked to the owner briefly, and they were looking for a chef. And, you know, when I went back, I was just like, yeah, maybe I should go to Minneapolis, you know, and see what's, see what's up. 
Uh, and then, you know, it was, we were kind of to the point where it was like the, the long-distance relationship was kind of getting a little much. Uh, so, I, you know, I moved here. Uh, they offered me the job at the restaurant, and then that's how I ended up moving here. At what point did Nixta start to come into the picture? When did this first become an idea that, hey, this is I'm going to start something on my own? Uh, you know, the 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 thing with with cooking is a you don't when you work for somebody else or when you have to look for a job, uh, a lot of times you don't necessarily get what you want, right? So the the place that I that I took the job at it was uh, like a French bistro, uh, and you know it was cool for a couple months because I was like, oh, I can get my inner French. Uh, and and it was it was fun, but after that I was like okay, so now I want to make carnitas again. Um, and then I ended up going to a hotel downtown, uh, and the 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 restaurant it was a, it was a healthy, very healthy, uh, conscience restaurant. So we it was one of the first restaurants that displayed um, the nutritional values on on the on the menu. Uh, and then, you know, I'm coming from a kitchen where you use butter and, you know, before that I was using lard to cook and creams and all that. Uh, so it was, it was really cool for me to have to think different when it came to food. Uh, you know, Mike Raken is the owner. Uh, it used to be called Marine and then became Mercy and then now it's closed. Uh, but he really pushed me to, to be cleaner. I think that place made me just a, a cleaner chef just in general. Um, but I always wanted, I was always like pushing to do something else, you know, like I was, you know, we got to the point where we put like mole tacos on the menu and, and, you know, he would always tell me like, you're going to turn this place into a taqueria. And I was like, no, that would be a bad idea. <laughs> um, but as, as I was struggling still with my, uh, with my stomach, um, I found myself a little tired. Uh, I ended up. Uh, leaving the job uh, and I went and worked construction for a little bit uh, and just didn't like it. It's like I, I missed it. You know, I missed the cooking. I missed the, the kitchens. I missed uh, the people, the energy. Uh, <clears throat> and then I, when, while I was in San Francisco, I actually was living in Oakland and it was this really cool restaurant. Uh, it's called Chop Bar that I used to go and have brunch every time I was off. And the owner, we always talk shop. You know, I, I would go there and, like, we just have a couple of beers and, and have some food and just talk about food. Um, and he uh, he actually reached out to me and he's like, hey, I opened a Mexican restaurant and uh, and I need a chef. Are you interested? Uh, and it was just like, yes. I didn't even <laughs> I didn't even thought about it, which is kind of crazy. Uh, thinking that, you know, I have a commitment here with somebody and, and uh, but it was just—it was something that I always wanted to do, uh, mine or for somebody else. You know, I just wanted to cook Mexican food. Uh, so that's how I ended up going to back to Auckland, um, and that's when I, I think that's when Nixta started popping in my head. Uh, that was the first time I worked with uh, with corn and masa and, and actual program, and. I think the, the the most important thing that I took from the experience is that I realized that I didn't know anything about Mexican food. Like, I have no idea. 
you, you kind of engrave into your head like, oh, I'm a trained chef and I'm Mexican, so I should be able to do it. Uh, and then when I got there, I, I realized that I have no idea. Uh, it was full of Mexican ladies. Uh, they all worked so hard and they all teach me so much and they all like look at me weird when I have a different idea. Um, but we worked really good together. Uh, so I ended up being uh, at this place called Calavera uh, in, in Oakland. Uh, and I was there probably for a year and a half. Uh, but it was a very, very intense uh, place to work. Uh, you know, we went through the, through the riots from when uh, the past elections, uh, when President Trump got elected. And they completely destroyed the restaurant. Uh, just, you know, we had these huge, beautiful windows, and they were all broken. And uh, it, was, it was just hard. You know, it was, it was really hard. It was, it was a hard time to be in Oakland. Uh, that's, uh, they were raising the, the minimum wage at that time. So in the, in the area that we were, it was just restaurants closing. Uh, and it was, it was hard, so it was super stressful. And, and my stomach just couldn't take it. So I ended up uh, ended up in the hospital, and then they had to do the surgery, remove part of my intestine, and I was out of commission for about four months. Uh, and then one of the things that kind of hits you when you're in a bed is, uh, you know, you start thinking a lot. You, you, have, you have nothing else to do except for thinking. And you you kind of realize, or you start putting things in perspective, like what's more important, right? And in something that, you know, of course I miss my family a lot at the time. I miss my wife a lot because um, she wasn't there. Uh, and I pushed myself really hard to have something that when I actually had it, I don't know if that's what I actually wanted. Mm. Uh, you know, it's like I, I wanted to run a Mexican restaurant so bad. And I got to the point where I was running a restaurant. And as much as I love what I was doing and as much as I love what I was learning, um, I kind of had a bigger part that I was missing. Uh, and, you know, it was, it was kind of an easy decision after that. Uh, so, you know, I talked to my wife and I said, you know, moving back to, to Minnesota. And then that's how I ended up being back. Um, but it was it was always kind of in the back of my head, like I wanna I wanna do something something Mexican, you know. Like and and being in a restaurant that was so good making Mexican food, and and coming to uh, to Minnesota where there were not, I mean, it's a lot of Mexican restaurants, but not on that caliber. Mm. Uh, so I was like, okay, that's kind of what I want to do. Uh, but you know it's hard. It's hard to open a restaurant. It's hard to. It's hard to not have to find money, you know. And and at this time, uh, if I wanted to do something, I would have to go and ask for a lot of money to a lot of people and be like, "Just believe me, this is gonna be good." And and it's hard, you know. It's it's uh, it, it's it's not that not the not the way that I want to do it. I, I also I see the the industry was changing a lot. Um, and then I just decided to come here and, and, and take a different job and kind of start working towards the, towards the main idea. So, you know, since I came back, I was always playing with corn and 
you know, making tortillas and, and, and whatever place that I work, I was like, all right, but I want to do this, right? And, and I'm going to work with you, but in some capacity, I need to be able to do this too. Uh, and then that's kind of how, how it started. Um, I have the opportunity to do uh, a residency with the Travail Group. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that was really good because uh, it, it kind of putting your food in somebody else's hands, it gives you a completely different perspective of what your food is like. And, and I think that's what exactly what happened with them is like, they came, they, they came one day, so I cooked for them because they wanted to see my food. And then they completely deconstruct everything. And they put it back together in a completely different way with the same ingredients and the same cooking. And, and you know, of course, they, they, they were very happy with the flavors and the techniques and, and something the, the, the Bob uh, Gherkin told me. is like, we don't cook like, like that. You know, like we, we have a completely different style. Uh, so this is going to be really good. And, and we ended up, having a really really good experience i think i think it's one of my favorite restaurants that i work uh so far uh and just because the the energy uh that the place have and the way the the people uh from the moment they entered the place until the moment they left there was always like this over excitement around my food so it was it was super super cool so you go from the, and then that residency ends. And so you're working a job. What are the steps that you took towards beginning next to what uh, did you have like a concrete plan of here's the steps I'm going to take to get towards uh, what ended up being Nixta, or did it kind of more organically form? It, it really organically formed though. So when, when we did uh, Qua, um, we, that was the residency. That was the residency. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we we wanted to we wanted to have tortillas right and we wanted to be fresh and we wanted to be like the actual corn because we we always look at the corn like the base of the Mexican food and that's the way that I always look at it um, and then we didn't have the space we didn't have the the people to like be present tortillas you know and I went around town and and I asked every tortilleria in town I was like look. If I bring you the masa, will you run it through your machine and then I just get the tortillas? You know, I'm like, at that point, I was like, I pay you for the labor, I pay you for the tortillas, whatever I need to pay you, just make me tortillas, please. And I find out that most places like they won't, it won't, it won't work with it though. And and I was like, why it doesn't work? Like, it's, I mean, it's a tortilla machine. I know exactly what they look like. So it's the same. They look back home. Uh, and then I realized that a lot of people are not using nixamalized corn. You know, or if they use nixamalized corn, it's a mixture with flour that makes the tortilla super soft, and then it becomes a lot easier to um, for the machines. The dough is softer, uh, the tortillas are thinner. Um, so I was like, well, I can believe that. Like, you know, we have a lot of tortillerias in town, and, and nobody is, is is making tortillas uh, like the ones that we make back home. Uh, so the idea kind of started you know, in my head and, and I used to talk a lot with Bob Gherkin and, and he made me do mad and he was like, all right, well, what's the tortilla going to cost you? How much are you going to sell it for? And I, I don't think he thought it was going to happen. I think he thought it was going to be like, just kind of like this idea that this crazy kid have. And then, you know, but he always talked to me about it. And, um, after we finished the residency, 
uh, I went to help uh, Mike Reagan again, uh, what I was called Mercy. And he was like, well, you should do, you know, we, they have this really cool bar, uh, kind of like speakeasy downstairs. Mm -hmm. And he was like, you should do some tacos. Like, you know, just try. So we started doing these like taco nights and, and I find some uh, Mexican uh, DJs from, from in town. So they would come and just start spinning. Uh, and, and so we would have music and tacos. And, and it was super cool vibes. People would come in, like, still have some tacos, some drinks. And they would start dancing. And it was, like, it, it was really cool. Uh, so, but the, the tortillas, like, I, always, I was always making them, right? In the beginning, we were making it by hand. Uh, and then I was like, well, I kind of want to keep doing this. And um, Chef Jorge from uh, Petit Leon, mm -hmm. he, he would call me every once in a while. and be like, hey, I'm doing a pop-up. Uh, in town, will you make some tortillas for me? So every time that he would ask me, literally, I would be making tortillas by hand, and he would come pick it up, and 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 you know he would take him. So I, I saw the need to like start increasing the volume of what I was doing. So I buy this little machine, uh, and then I was producing tortillas. So every time we did the taco night, uh, a mercy, I would bring my machine and I would make tortillas, and then you know we have fresh tortillas for the tacos, which make it special. Um, and then, you know, everything was going good. I mean, we, or, or Taco Nights were getting busier and busier as we were going, and the pandemic hit. And then you kind of outgrow the operation of the pop-up, the making from home, the and, and you find the commercial space. And the, the interesting thing is, I think, uh, you said you opened in June of 2020, right? Mm -hmm. And in a weird way, Things being locked down and things being closed maybe brought more awareness to what you're doing. Because when you talk about being able to do uh, takeaway tortillas or takeaway uh, full meals that you can prepare for people to be home, you were set up for it from the start. And that was almost what you were doing out of that commercial kitchen to start with. It's almost like like a wholesale operations. And that's how I found out about you is not only the articles, but chefs around town. You like anytime there's tortillas involved, your name seemed to pop up. And I here's all these chefs that I love what they're doing, and the same name keeps popping up around all these different chefs. I'm like, who is this guy? And then you find out about it and you kind of learn about heirloom varieties of corn. And it it's funny because the more you learn about food, the more you realize what's wrong with how almost everything about our food system is. But you just look at tortillas and I look at them and I go, oh, that's just like, you know, it's kind of like an indulgence. It's unhealthy. There's nothing really in it for you. Usually it's flour or, you know, just like basic corn that's processed. And then reading about what you're doing and the nixtilization process and using heirloom varieties that you've got tortillas that are rich in antioxidant and full of these different like components and minerals and, and, and fiber. And you just go, oh, this is just how it should be done. Right. And it's it was it's interesting to hear you say that you went out and tried to find this and couldn't find it. And you go, it's almost like the system was created so heavily to favor the cheaper process, the the more efficient process, the what really what is less authentic and fake. And by like it ends up tasting not as great. <laughs> not at all. And, and, and that, that was funny because I read that in an article you said you moved back to the States and tasted Mexican food, and you're like, this this isn't right. And and it probably – did you realize at the time of tasting and being like, this just isn't right? Did you know it was the tortilla? Did you think it was – or just the whole thing? You just said, this isn't what I was looking for. 
I think just in general, I think the the idea um, that people had about Mexican food it was just completely wrong, uh, and it's changing. I think the in the past five years is like an explosion of of Mexican food, and and I think people are are more willing to try different things, and, and they're not afraid, and and now it's it's kind of it's kind of sexy, you know. Like now you're making Mexican food, and you're like, oh, it's making Mexican food, and. and you know, it's always margaritas involved in some type of way, uh, and and it has changed. But yeah, definitely, uh, that the experience that I have, um, it it really made me almost angry uh, at the time. And you know, I I never had the opportunity to to change that uh, until now. Um, I always I always wanted to to represent uh, my country the right way. And and I think that that's it's always a, a a misconception of people when they think the somebody from a country gets angry with somebody else is making what they think is from their country, uh, and and I don't think it's is 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 true uh, unless you're not you're not putting the work, you know, unless you're not representing the place right. Right and, and and for me that's that's all about it's all about respect. Yeah, and you you just see a, you see it a lot in food, especially the restaurant industry, where it's like, oh, this is a trend. Okay, we see a trend. People like tacos. Okay, we need tacos on our menu. Reach out to our food supplier. Hey, we just need ingredients for tacos. Can we get those in? And then you know, in theory, it's fairly simple to make it an okay taco using all the ingredients that a supplier could give you. And you emerge while this trend is on the up and then you're like oh this is actually how it's done <laughs> and i'm so pumped you brought me a f- bag full of tortillas so i'm gonna be ripping through these over the next week or so but man so how does it feel now that you're up and running the, the, the excitement behind it is high the amount of people that have been posting about it talking about it like i mean i just remember one time i was like hey i'm making tacos i was looking for some tortillas and just like the dms of just like this is the only place to go this is where you go uh how does it feel now to have your own place after all these years of just absolutely grinding at different cities and different restaurants 90 hour weeks how does it feel to have something of your own uh i mean it's it's great uh, it definitely has its challenges. You know, it has different type of stress. Uh, and I think having control of it is, is the, the the best thing. You know, having control of the time, when I'm there, when I'm not there. Um, but the sense of responsibility to to continue to do something that, that people think is good, uh, I think it's sometimes harder than get getting there, you know. Um like we we can we can give a soft part product now you know it has to be on point every time and and you know that requires a lot of work uh our team is super small uh especially with covid you know we have a small kitchen so we can have a lot of people there and as we just trying to grow we just trying to, we we have we have a lot of big dreams uh for for nixta uh we we think that this should be the standard. You know, we think that if you're going to make Mexican food, and you're going to make tacos, you need to make them right. And and I think people eventually, they're going to start being like, yeah, I don't know about these tortillas. I, I want something real. And 
we we have to become responsible of what we serve our people. You know, it's not it's not just about you know slinging tacos and, and and feeding people. You have to think about what you give them, and and what you talk about. You know, the empty calories, like what what these tortillas do, or what they do when they make the flour is just they completely strip all the nutrients. Uh, they overprocess. They have so many ingredients. They they are necessary when you make it right. Um, and you know, as as we move forward in the world, like I think they it, it's just as a chef, it's your responsibility to the give the people the best product you can give them. I don't know if there's a better way to end the episode than on that sentiment right there. Really appreciate you coming in, and I will end it like I do every other episode and say, have a nice day. <laughs>